okay. Okay, that's creepy. So I don't think Zoom has ever told us that we're recording before. Yeah, it's never cared about my consent about being recorded. I wonder if they got in trouble in like a two-party state or something. They probably did. Texas is a one-party state, so only one person has to know that you're recording. Also, Texas is ruled by a person who consistently makes bad decisions. Insert whichever uh, straw man you'd like to, because unfortunately, there are multiple answers to that question. Yeah, it feels like Texas is trying to kill us on a regular basis at this point. You know what? I was willing to defend Abbott for like half of a second. Because I get it. Like, especially like parts of Texas, all we have is tourism. So I get like wanting to really get the economy going again. I, I, I get it. I think this move has taken any of the goodwill that i had which was already not a lot wait which one the refusing of federal funds for people who are still in unemployment or the abortion you're right i have to specify because there's multiple basically just his behavior from the last week let's just go ahead and i would the like last to put him in a corner with ted cruz they're both in trouble ted cruz needs more than a corner i'm just gonna go ahead and say that that's well, offensive to court. I don't know if he's into punishment, so I don't want to encourage that. That's true. That's true. Uh, so here's a rant that I have. Um, so we're reading The Outsiders. Hi, hello, welcome to the show. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil. We're drinking Pepsi because book. So I got a Pepsi that says made with real sugar. Hmm. And I hate products like this. Let me tell you why. Don't ever call to my attention that what I was eating until that moment was not food. (laughs) Because, like, McDonald's did that with the chicken nuggets. It's like, now with 100% white meat chicken. Like, what was I eating up until now? Whatever was left and ground up and formed. Right, like, what, right, like, what chicken ankle was I eating until this, but don't ever say now with when it comes to food or beverage because now i'm deeply concerned about what product i was consuming until that moment like the subway bread being made out of yoga mats oh no it's the same chemical ingredient hi audience uh it's friday after work for the two of us and uh This is going to be one of those combination low energy, high energy shows. The high energy kicks in after the alcohol and Pepsi has hit our bloodstreams. Yeah, because I can't, I honestly cannot think of the last time I've had regular Pepsi. Yeah, so my, this is, point of fact, this is my daughter's favorite soda. Your daughter is objectively wrong. I'm a little fascinated that she chose this over the varieties of things that we've kept in the fridge before. Um she doesn't understand when i ask if she's russian so uh like i i love your your daughter uh she's great she is objectively wrong i'm so sorry like even just in the colas pepsi is at best tolerable well i mean it's still better than things like rc and uh rc doesn't exist (laughs) rc should only be used to clean toilets so 
as Amanda had mentioned, the reason that we're doing this is because book, one of the main characters is kind of obsessed with Pepsi. Yes. He brings it up a few times. Yes. That and dreams. Um, I really wanted to get one of the glass bottle Pepsis uh, for aesthetic, uh, but that didn't happen. So I went with made with real sugar, which still squirks me out a little. Second time I've said squirks me out, uh, hail Britannia. <laughs> So we ended up with two two liter bottles of Pepsi, thank God, because my family drinks soda like it's water. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this for the episode. I'm going to drink this. It'll be a two liter. Whatever's left over, I know Brianna will drink. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to the fridge today, and the one two liter was at the very, very, very bottom. And I'm like, this went in the fridge on Wednesday. <laughs> Although to be fair, one of my best friends in high school, her dad used to drink a two liter of Coca-Cola on the way to school every day. And he was the tallest, skinniest man I've ever met in my life. I am so surprised he didn't die. Yeah. um, I also, so you know how uh, nutrition labels are stupid? Yeah. So I actually read this one for Pepsi and it had the total amount of added sugar, which I knew was high because it's soda. But it gave a percentage of what that is in comparison to like the sugar you're supposed to have in a day. And I've never seen that number before. And I've never been more horrified in my life. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> this bottle is 132% of your daily sugar. Yeah, that explains a lot. I'm currently drinking mine with Southern Comfort because I had a little mini bottle of it for some reason in the cabinet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I gotta tell you that like I feel like I'm 23 or something right now Mine... like you're at the bar and somebody brought you a drink and you weren't really sure why mm-hmm. that's about it nope I made a little drink I used a uh, spice rum because I had I know I, I used Bacardi Gold so basically like a Cuba Libre but I guess a Yankee one because there's no Coca-Cola um also, in a glass from my alma mater, because my alma mater went uh, standardized testing free for admissions. Which I love. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love. Remember, standardized tests were invented by people who liked eugenics a lot. Yeah. There's actually a lot of things that were invented by people who really liked eugenics. Birth control. Yeah. But I mean, that one I'm kind of thankful for. But it was made so Black people didn't have babies. Yeah, and also Irish woman. Yeah. So, you know, you want some, you lose some. (laughs) Okay. Should I do a short story long? I mean, we we technically have to, right? That's part of our format. Okay. So, Ponyboy Curtis, yes, that's his real name, is a lower class young man who lives in Oklahoma. He is part of a gang or what are called greasers as they wear their hair long and greasy. Johnny Depp and Crybaby. Ponyboy likes to do things by himself and he is very introspective. After seeing a movie by himself, he's attacked by a group of boys called the Socias, which is short for social. They're upper class kids from the other side of town. They threaten to slit his throat, but he is rescued by his fellow greasers. This introduces us to the rest of the gang. One is his brother, Soda Pop, again, his real fucking name, and his brother, Derry, that's his older brother. Derry took How did a- Derry get off easy? Because he had to deal with everything else. 
So uh-huh. Jerry actually took over custody of his brothers when their parents were killed in a car crash eight months before. Oh, fuck. There's also Johnny, Dally, which is short for Dallas, Steve, and Two-Bit. Dally, Ponyboy, and Johnny go to see a movie the next night, and they sit behind two gorgeous social girls. Dally tries to flirt, but he's a total creeper, and he is uh, totally brash and obnoxious, and he bombs out. He ends up walking away, and Johnny and Ponyboy sit with the girls. Their names are Cherry and Marsha. We find out that Ponyboy and Cherry actually have a lot in common, including going to the same school. Two-Bit shows up and all three start to walk the girls to his house so they can drive them home so they get there safely because their drunk-ass boyfriends basically left them there when the girls were like, hey, I'm not getting in a car with you. Um, Instead, they have a run-in with the drunk boyfriends. Bob and Randy, which is super Oklahoma, um, are the boyfriends and they threaten the rest of the, the greasers. The girls go home with them so they don't have a big fight with the other two groups. Pony Boy and his friend um, end up hanging out in the, this lot. They pass out. They fall asleep. He doesn't realize how late it is because he's supposed to be back by midnight. Pony Boy gets home and his brother Derry flips out. Like, where the hell have you been? Pony Boy yells back because he's sick of being controlled. And Derry slaps Pony Boy across his face. And Pony Boy decides that leaving is the best option, so he runs away. This, of course, goes badly. He and Johnny, his friend, end up meeting up and they encounter the Soch group at the local park. And Pony Boy's head is held underwater in a fountain until he blacks out. He wakes up to find Johnny and the corpse of Bob. Johnny killed Bob because he thought they were going to kill Pony Boy. The two run off to find Deli, who think they will be that he will be able to help them out. Deli gives them a gun and some money. And sends them off to get a train to ride to the town of Wind- Windricksville, which is nearby, and it's kind of also a shithole. Um, they hide out in a church that's been abandoned for some time. They cut and dye their hair to hide out. They read Gone with the Wind, like, could you find something else, please? And no. they discuss poetry, <laughs> which is why you get that whole nothing gold can stay thing. Because straight dudes, of course, read a lot of poetry in Gone with the Wind, right? Dally comes back to check on them and advises that the tensions between the greasers and the socers has gotten really bad. There's a rumble planned for the next night to settle the issue. Cherry feels really bad about Bob's death, but she acts as a spy for the greasers. Johnny tells the guys he plans to turn himself into the cops. Dally goes to drive Ponyboy and Johnny home, but they realize that the church that they've been hiding out has caught on fire. And they briefly think, oh my gosh, did we not put one of our cigarettes out? When they get there, there's a group of school kids who have started playing inside and they're trapped. So Pony Boy and Johnny rush in to save them. The roof caves in and Pony Boy blacks out again, just as they're getting the last kid out. He wakes up in an ambulance with minor burns. Johnny's back was broken by a falling piece of the roof. Derry and Soda Pop come to get Pony Boy and they make up as a family. Pony Boy and Johnny are declared heroes. Johnny's going to be charged with manslaughter and they're going to have to go to juvenile court to see if they'll be sent to a boy's home. But Johnny's not looking so good and Dally is having some serious PTSD. Johnny ends up dying after telling Pony Boy to stay gold, which is pretty much the most famous line of, of the actual movie. After going to trial, Pony Boy is acquitted. The case is dropped. He ends up going through the copy of Gone with the Wind that Johnny was reading in the hospital and finds a note to him. When Ponyboy's teacher tells him to write a theme so he can actually pass his class, 
He asks how long he can write it and then completes the story of The Outsiders. Um, this is yes. a lot, especially because this was written by a fairly young girl, of all things. As someone who wrote fan fiction starting at the age of 12, do not underestimate what young girls can write. <laughs> right. This was one of those things where it became pretty much an instant bestseller. Mm -hmm. and it became one of those kind of like battle cry teen punk things like this and catcher in the rye okay but also it's one of those things that is on the list of if i see any of this in a dating profile i'm not sleeping with you that's fair um i'm gonna go ahead and say this uh so normally we save this for the end of the show did you have to read this in school i never had to this was just bad stephen king for me so I didn't have to read it in school, but I knew other kids who at different schools who did. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really funny now working in at least like volunteering with groups that fight human trafficking and stuff like that. And where you talk about mm -hmm. you know, where a big percentage of the kids in human trafficking come from. It's from mm -hmm. foster homes. It's from homes where people, kids have been basically abandoned and forgotten. And mm -hmm. the fact that like Derry has basically devoted his whole life to taking care of his two brothers mm -hmm. soda pop quit high school mm -hmm. so that he could do all this stuff with um to take care of his little brother mm -hmm. and then you have pony boy who has already got the world stacked against him in oklahoma because that's his name um who's trying his very best to be a sweet innocent kid and and like trying to or having to basically fight for every single damn thing mm -hmm. um, that does a lot to a kid it does. I, th I think for me, especially, it's not so much that like thematically it didn't do anything for me. It's just that like, this isn't the first time I've seen these themes. I think if like I had read this in school when a lot of people did, it might hit me a little bit different. But this just feels like that one Stephen King movie where they find the body under the train tracks or whatever. Oh, Stand By Me? Yeah, that one. It feels like every Stephen King movie. See, for me, I, I grew up on that movie Crybaby. So I was like, no. I already know this. And then I'm like, I know nothing about this. <clears throat> but it's like, it's it's really painful. And I mean, one of our, our plot points here is PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, to read Johnny's story, Johnny mm -hmm. has so much stacked against him. His dad is painfully abusive. His mom is very passive and kind of just lets... The dad beat the crap out of both. Okay, of them. but also, what was the mom going to do in Oklahoma? That's fair. That's what I'm just saying. Like she, yeah. she's doing this to survive. But right. like the fact that she starts blaming everything on Johnny later on, when he's in the hospital with a broken back after saving kids, is a lot. Um, the fact that like he, this kid, poor kid, has been jumped before by upper class kids who basically slashed his face open. And he's so afraid that they're going to kill him and his friend that he stabbed somebody with a knife. Like, for anybody, that would be a lot. But this kid is like 16. I, he's a baby. And Pony Boy is only like 14. So I hate that this does nothing for me. Like, I guess, like, that just might be, like, mental illness and, like, my own trauma. But, like, this, the level of suspension of disbelief for me was at such a weird place that, like, I don't know. It all just felt very, 
I don't want to say inauthentic. It just felt weird. It felt like such an escalation that just, I have that problem in fiction that like, this is not a, a, a real response to that. So do you hate thriller novels where all of a sudden like the person becomes the major suspect and they have to run and you're like, this person was completely normal before this, they wouldn't be an actual suspect? No, because I usually love the like going on the run part where they get like, you know, three bad wigs and, you know, they look like bad Thelma and Louise cosplayers. So no, I, again, to make it about Stephen King, it felt like it, where it's like these bullies are just comically bad i've been bullied no one's fucking doing this i'm sorry like okay do you watch uh, mr sunday movies i do not so he's a youtuber uh him and his partner nick mason they're both australian that's important to the story so they were covering uh the old tim curry uh it and they were doing the first one with the kids and they're talking about like the bullies and He's like, did you guys in America just have knife-wielding bullies who were like 27 years old, you know, talking about the actors because they're obviously not kids. <laughs> did you guys just have 27-year-old knife-wielding bullies just running around? And it's like, no, we didn't. If they were running, if there were white people running around with knives, they were usually hunting for black people. Those aren't bullies, those are racists. <laughs> If it's Oklahoma and there's a group of white people with knives, they're going to go do a Tulsa massacre. They're not bullying each other. That's not happening. And that also might be why I have a suspension of disbelief problem with this is that violence in that end group for the time that a lot of these stories are set just wouldn't be happening. They'd be too busy kicking a black man. <laughs> what I find really fascinating about this whole book you have heard me say it time and time again on this podcast amanda you've heard me say this to you a million times mm -hmm. i am always the book is better than the movie sure in this case the movie is actually better than the book and i hate to say that because essie hinton yeah. actually did a pretty decent job but especially for her age when she wrote it mm -hmm. but holy moly francis ford coppola did a great job and you have basically every actor who was like academy award winning or like long-standing going into that like you even have tom cruise in a minor side role for like two seconds you've got rob lowe you've got um of like everybody you've got patrick freaking swayze as dairy diane lane is like baby baby cherry You've got Emilio Estevez, Ralph Macchio, like all these people that you're now going, I've seen you on everything. But anyway. Well, okay, hold on. Sorry, who are you projecting that to? If you're projecting that to our age demographic, you're correct. If you're projecting that to any other age demographic, no one knows who fucking, <laughs> no one knows who Emilio Estevez is. No one mighty no. ducks okay no mighty ducks okay that's why i had to specify no one fucking knows who ralph macchio is Karate that's why I, I no mean, one partially because one of my friends and former bosses looked just like a grown-up ralph mm. macchio or yeah macchio and it was one of those situations where i would just look at him and i'm like 
wax on wax off bitch i didn't say that i have i am not besmirching the good name of ralph macchio i'm just saying anyone younger than me does not know who ralph macchio is like they probably don't know who john leguizamo is hello fellow kids do you know who patrick swayze is right like if you're projecting that to anyone younger than i am i promise you they do not know who these people are also if you are younger than me and you know who uh john Logazamo is let me know from what role because i feel like that's very telling he just had a whole special comedy oh, a special. whole special that's nice on netflix that was very condescending to actor john Logazamo. He was on ER playing a very uh, Jersey doctor who did cocaine a lot. I mean, that seems like a very Jersey doctor in the 90s, right? Uh, 2000s. Early to mid 2000s. People from New Jersey are probably like, what what are you doing? Just Do we have any listeners in New Jersey? If you <laughs> if you have if we have listeners in New Jersey, uh please send Taylor Ham. What is Taylor Ham? It's like a bologna, but better. Uh, so how do you want to tackle themes? You want to talk about the passing out and losing consciousness? Yes. Or do you want to talk about class warfare? <laughs> I'm going to start with the passing out in dream sequences. Okay, so we can do multiple that. Multiple times during the book, Ponyboy will pass out and wake up in a new scene or a new situation. And No, we can call it a scene. That's what's happening. It's a scene transition. <laughs> He, yes, it's very much a transition and he references every time it felt like I was in a dream or it felt like I was in a nightmare. It felt like I was in this where it is very much a, oh no, everything has changed pretty much every time that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, We go from his dreams being like, oh, these are beautiful things that I'm going to picture, like going to the movies and stuff like that to, oh crap, my friend is dying from a broken back or oh, I woke up and there's a corpse here. Like, it's, it becomes pretty traumatizing for him to dream. Yeah. I mean, but that's true, actually, for a lot of people with trauma. Um, because you do tend to... So, here's one thing I love about sleep and, like, studying sleep is that insomnia is your brain's way of hijacking your body for not processing what you should have processed in the day holy crap is that why i have so much insomnia yeah like it's your brain basically saying you have not processed all of this shit so if you have trauma oftentimes you're severely backed up because you haven't processed it it's like trauma brain constipation pretty i would think of it more like an assembly line like a box got stuck or something because that's yeah, I, I don't want to because you can become constipated by like your own actions. I would I want to make it a little bit more capricious because that's what trauma is. Random and capricious. Oh <laughs> I am the trauma fairy. So I do love the idea that dreams become this thing to be feared and to be afraid of. Um it's also a symbol of kind of essentially vanquishing control is so I really have never like lost consciousness like that. Like, I've fallen asleep, obviously, but, like, like been, like, out like that. I can count the number of times on my hand. And, like, each time was, like, increasingly terrifying to just, like, not have control 
over your body. I've said this a million times, but like, we are a ghost piloting a meat mecca. <laughs> we are a haunted meat prison. And when you lose control of your haunted meat prison, it's really scary. Maybe it's just because I had to have my face stitched up so many times as a child. I was basically a crash test dummy. I ran into everything. I ran into tile. I broke a uh, giant pitcher and cut my foot open. I ran into a coffee table, like fell out of bed in the middle of the night. So if you look at my face, I have a bunch of little scars, but I was a baby baby most of the time when these happened. So I would be, I'm very familiar with the feeling of unconsciousness and then waking up with scars, Um, (laughs) which sounds really, really bad. My parents did not beat me. I literally ran into things all the time. Like they got concerned that people were going to think that I was like being beaten. Get Um, aside. (laughs) Do you, I think every child has that injury moment story of like, getting injured and having to explain no I wasn't abused right my favorite was I was probably four Mm -hmm. and I ran I was very excited to see my grandparents and I ran out in a towel and tripped and hit the edge of a coffee table so that's this little little scar in the middle of my forehead Mm -hmm. um and they put me in a thing called a papoose Mm -hmm. and Back then, we were not very, very PC because it was mm-hmm. like the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And they told me, hey, we're going to wrap you up like a baby Indian. We're going to put you in this thing. It's called a papoose. Mm-hmm. That sounded like a good idea. And I said, yeah. Meanwhile, like while I'm waiting for them, there's blood dripping onto a coloring book while I'm like coloring it. So <sighs> they finished the surgery and they only do like local anesthetic. So, of course, mm-hmm. I am awake and terrified mm-hmm. as they're doing this. And my mom says she comes in after and she's panicking because she's like, my baby, my baby. And I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I just look up at her all mad. And I go, this was not a good idea. And she loves telling people that story because I was so bossy that I was like, no, we are not doing this again. (laughs) And yet we. So mine was uh, I was playing tennis with my dad. And I know I've told stories about my dad before, but uh, for listeners who may be new or don't remember, my father was like 6'3", like 300 pounds. My dad was a big man. In comparison, I did not hit five feet until I was 13 or 14 years old. (laughs) So we were playing tennis and dad spiked a volley. It bounced and hit me in the eye. Um. If you ever like been hit with a tennis ball, especially in the face, uh, that fuzz really fucks you up. Like, I've gotten hit with a ton of like sports balls. Tennis balls and softballs hurt the most. <laughs> so I go to school with a hell of a black eye, like cartoonish. You put a stake on black eye, and being the articulate child I was. When asked what happened, I said my dad did it. And everyone looks at the large black man and his tiny daughter with a cartoonish black eye. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sweet independent dramas. 
just oh my god out of all the things that I wish I could apologize to my father for I think that's like number one on the list it's like look (laughs) I fucked up a lot as a kid in my 12 years that I knew you this is number one on that list um but yeah like it is interesting that I mean one it's it's an interesting uh, writing technique that instead of just having a scene transition, it's just yeet, and <laughs> your main character is unconscious. And now you're drowning in a fountain. Also, fountains aren't that deep. Yeah, no, but you're dirty in an inch of or a few inches of water. I mean, really, you only need a tablespoon. I'm not a serial killer. Writers full of useless slash terrifying information. I promise you, I'm so glad that I have it in my digital will to like just burn my computer. Just set it on fire. Like we're not even, don't salvage anything. No one needs to know about my Draco Harry fanfic after I die. That's fine. Just throw it into the pyre. (laughs) You mean I can't read it at your funeral? I mean. By the way, I have to die before you, so you have to (laughs) is there something that i need to know no i don't think so suspicious uh listen my meds are working i'm doing well (laughs) did you did you see that tweet that i sent you where it's like i love that we've all agreed that when we're in therapy we're only gonna say just enough to not get hospitalized oh my gosh i used to do that with my therapist like when things were really really bad i'd just be like like I remember my my poor freaking therapist she was one of those people who was like doing marriage and family therapy training so she had to do a certain number of hours to finally get her credentials Mm -hmm. I went to like one of these places where it was a sliding scale because I was young and very poor and Mm -hmm. um I remember her being like we're gonna do a timeline of like events that you remember as a kid and I got like probably up to about 16 or 17 and she's like we're gonna stop here for today we're gonna we're gonna stop here for today and i'm like that bad huh and she's like no no and you can see the twitch in the eye i'm like oh you gotta get better about that but like i can't say that Uh, but yeah anyway so we have a lot of stuff in here that's class warfare and struggling we do um listen the rich have been trying to kill the poor for many many years I had a really hard time with Cherry's character because she tries to be like, and I think I think anybody who has some sort of wealth, especially if you are white, middle class kind of things where it's not that you haven't struggled, but you haven't had other things stacked against you. Mm-hmm. You feel the need to justify having what you have. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really hard and I did all this and it's like, yeah, we know nobody is questioning that. But mm-hmm. talking like to him about, oh, you watch sunsets, I watch sunsets, you know, we have so much in common, we have problems too, all this kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, you have problems, but your problems are things that can mostly be handled by your parents paying to take care of them. Um, yeah, um, I think this also goes back to again, and I, so fun fact, I'm a raging narcissist and I like listening to our podcast. Um I was going back and listening to the Ethan Frome episode because I actually think that's I think that's like our best episode 
I don't know why. I just think it is. We both hate it so much. Yes. Um, <laughs> we tend to do better when we both hate something. We I really think. do. Uh, but like listening to us talk about like, I have a really hard time with like, white people problems. I think that might be one of the reasons why I'm so kind of like lukewarm on this. Is that like it's not that it's not that I don't think that white people can't be poor, obviously, but it's just like it's a different thing. It's different. It's just different. And I have like that level of condescension is something that I'm so used to. Even though, like my whole life, I have been at least middle class. I would always say that we floated between upper middle and middle class. I've never really been like poverty line or anything like that, which is a different experience than most African Americans, I will be frank. So like, but that level of condescension, despite that always being my upbringing, has followed me all my life. And it's just, I don't care. I tune out. And again, like maybe this would be different if I read this when I was younger and I'd be coming back to it. But like reading it now at 31 almost, being decidedly middle-class, actually being in a higher tier than most in this city especially for not having children that's like the one thing saving me uh for not having kids i just don't have i don't have the emotional bandwidth to listen to white people rationalize like their wealth like um oh my god i have that with like lindsay ellis and contrapoints a little bit whenever they talk about like we don't make that much money from patreon okay but you make more money than me like I get what you're saying. I understand, like, yeah, you're not billionaires from Patreon and stuff, but, like, you still have more power financially than I do and a lot of your audience. So, like, you're not like us. Stop trying to make it sound like you're on our level. You're not. Welcome to Amanda's Communist Corner. So something that tripped me out a little bit thinking about this. Mm Mm-hmm. In Oklahoma, there is a native population, pretty yes. pretty large sized native population. Yes. Um, when when does everything start to kind of go easy on Pony Boy? It's when he cuts his hair and bleaches it, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he has a little blondy white boy. Mm-hmm. He no longer has dark hair, mm-hmm. long dark hair. Suddenly, after doing this. And rescuing these kids, he's a hero. Mm-hmm. But everybody else dies or suffers horrifically. And yeah. I don't think that was the point. Like, please don't think that I think that was intentional. I think it was intentional. But it's one of those like, oh, well, fuck. <laughs> like, I um, think it was intentional. I think it was a choice. I, I think I think it'd be naive not to not to read intentionality into it. You have to. I mean, well, I know that the whole point of him cutting his hair, it's supposed to be kind of like one of those caper novels where somebody runs away and they don't want to be caught and they have to hide, you know, that kind of thing. But And there was no other way you could accomplish that. I was going to say, in most movies and books and things like that, they dye their hair dark. Right. Like that movie Salt, she gets shoe polish and does her hair in the bathroom. Which would just really irritate your scalp. Yeah. I that mean, just get the cheap hair dye at the store. Pay in cash. Go someplace yeah. that doesn't have cameras. Like, yeah. Go, go, to, <laughs> go to a Supercuts. Hi, I have $15 and would like a haircut, please. Go to the Walmart and get your hair done. I'm not trying to be gentrify I'm just... 
Did I tell you about like the remarkably bougie uh, statement I made in a Discord chat? Mm-mm. So I was in a Discord chat, a uh, voice chat with some friends. And I don't know how we got on the subject. We were talking about like Walmart food. And it's like, oh yeah, like the chicken at one of my friends, like, oh yeah, the chicken at Walmart's like great. And it's like, ew, you guys ate at Walmart. And I, I sounded so judgmental. Are we talking the roasted chickens? Like No, like the popcorn chicken, like the ready to go, ah. like the deli section stuff, deli air quote. It's fucking Walmart. It's not a deli. <laughs> it's not a delicatessen. <laughs> gotta remember when i moved to texas i moved to a town that didn't even have a walmart this is true i but yeah it. I, but, um, I, I sounded I really so funny. mean we go back to visit my family and mm-hmm. uh it drives my husband crazy he's like there's not even a mcdonald's here and i'm like you don't need a mcdonald's here like first of all my mom has learned to cook some crazy stuff because she's like you know what i really miss this type of food so she mm-hmm. figures out how to do it but anyway, um, there's like four restaurants there, so <laughs> including Taco Bell, Sonic, and Dairy Queen. That's all you need. Okay, sorry, there's five restaurants there. Oh, oh well then. Uh, so that's class warfare. Uh, we, we really could go deeper into it, but um, look outside. Watch the news for more than five minutes. Watch something that isn't Fox look at the foster care situation in san antonio texas right now talk to any indigenous person anywhere Mm -hmm. there you go make (laughs) friends with people of color they will tell you Mm -hmm. don't be a dick about it yeah also like don't interview them like it's a school fucking project yeah please. like we're not we're not all expositional magical negroes some of us are but (laughs) i mean I was hoping that you were going to be able to cure everyone's cancer in the prison, Amanda. So I saw that movie when I was shockingly young. Oh, God. I was like, okay, hold on. I have to do some math. Because I remember seeing it, like, when it came out. Like, my parents had, like, on VHS. No weird it is that Michael Clark Duncan isn't alive anymore? It is weird. Okay, so, yeah, I saw this movie at, like, 9 or 10 years old yeah that that's way too soon that's like finding out that most of the people i know who are super into horror saw alien at like the age of six mm-hmm. yeah michael clark duncan is gone didn't he die the same year as Brittany murphy i think so which is we weird that talk- Brittany murphy's is gone. we don't talk about Brittany murphy being gone enough like that fucked people up yeah so that's the weird thing is it's like when you're really really not little i'm saying like high school you don't really think about death too much and it's weird because it's like i i did have people that i knew die Mm -hmm. you get older you get about like 30 ish and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden people that you've known really well or Mm -hmm. actors and actresses that you've admired or writers and stuff pass away and you go oh fuck this is fleeting Okay, so I was wrong. Brittany Murphy died in uh, 09. Michael Clark Duncan died in 2012. Still only like four years apart. Yeah, but... Oh, man. Yeah, so actually, we just had a pretty famous uh, manga cop pass away. Uh, the author of uh, Berserk, which is a hugely popular series. Um, 
and I was talking to some friends and it's like, I'm not ready for the creators I love to die. Like that was a really like, it was one of those moments where like, it could be read as a little bit lighter in tone, but no one read it that way. And we all just got really sad. <laughs> but like, yeah, when I think about it, like I think about when Anthony Bourdain passed away, like when Carrie Fisher passed away, uh, when the lead singer of Lincoln Park passed away. Chester. Yeah. I'm not gonna refer to him by his first name, but <laughs> we're not friends. We're not family. I threw um, the last name out there too. I know. It was just like I'm not gonna refer to him by his first name only. We're not friends. You know like at least like at least air quotes like those were kind of traumatic like I'm not ready to have like Rumiko Takahashi the creator of Inuyasha like pass away at like 90 something of old age like I'm not like that hits differently than like a tragic circumstance so yeah the death that that messed me up the most I think I was like 28 29 um, my friend that I used to work with, Sean, like mm-hmm. he used to work in this warehouse and I was a purchaser and I'd go out and talk to him all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen him the day before mm-hmm. and he had that, like the next night he crossed the street cause he was going to go get a pack of cigarettes and a drunk driver hit him and he was in oh. a crosswalk. He was doing everything he was supposed to be doing. No. And my friend called me the next day and was like, Sean's dead. And I'm like, you're full of shit. And she's like, no, I'm because she worked with him still. I had like gone on to a different company and I'm like, you're full of it. There's no way. And I remember mm-hmm. just being like, well, everything's terrible. And like going to his funeral and like holding on to like one of the girls who were still worked with him, holding onto her hand because she was shaking so hard. She was terrified to be there. She like didn't, she'd never had to deal with something like this before. And mm-hmm. then being like BFFs with his, his wife at the bar that night. Cause he had like his, his like memorial was at a bar. And um, then just that weekend having a complete mental breakdown and like, Hey mom, can I go stay at your cabin? And she's like, Yeah that's not a thing anymore obviously but um, i'm about to get really excited yeah did you feel it it's yeah it was in california and it's gone now it belongs to somebody else but um i literally just drank myself stupid that weekend and watched doctor who episodes because it was like i can't do this anymore i can't function as a human being in all fairness i have done nothing for the past like two weeks but play animal crossing when i'm not at work so coping mechanisms coping um Well, and the funny thing is I've kind of, I felt a lot, I think of what Johnny was feeling Mm -hmm. in this book. And I think that's, that's the weird thing is I, I didn't really care about Ponyboy, which sounds Mm -hmm. really bad, but like Johnny, I wanted to, I knew he wasn't real, but I still wanted to go rescue him and be like, do you need a room? I got a room. Like, do you need food? Can I help you? Because like, but that's what good fiction should do. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm glad that you had a better experience than I did because otherwise it's just like a heartless bitch podcast, which is my sideshow. Um. <laughs> Coming next week, the heartless bitch podcast. Like I just, again, just from like the framing and perspective, it's not like this didn't do anything for me. It's just like on the list of things to be concerned about. This wasn't high. Also, again, I have my own basket of trauma that I carry with me that makes it hard to empathize with people, especially fictional characters. I feel like I need to make a special, like, carrying case for your trauma. A basket of trauma? Here, let me carry this basket of trauma on my back. 
So when I was in Catholic school, uh, one thing that we did was uh, we painted these like tile grout markers because uh, it looked like little crosses. And it's like, now you have like a physical reminder of like the cross that we all carry, which is remarkably morbid for a bunch of like junior high kids for one. And then two, it ends up sort of like reframing how I feel about pain, but like in the most Slytherin way. Because so after my dad died, I remember uh, this one kid like wrote in the card, hey, I'm sorry that your dad died. I know the same way that I felt the same way when my goldfish died. I was ready to fucking punch this kid out. I was yeah, ready to just like, punch offense. yeah, I was ready to like climb over a pew and punch this kid out. And my mom looks at me and she's like, you have been through something that most don't have to go through imagine how devastated he's going to be with all of his relative luxury in life when he finally has to go through something half as difficult which is the most slytherin thing i was raised by two fucking slytherins oh yeah (laughs) and just like it's like imagine how devastated he's going to be when he has to deal with this trauma unprepared later on it's like god damn mom was a stone cold (laughs) My sister is definitely a Gryffindor Mm -hmm. because she's the type that is smart, will probably out drink you and yet could best you in a fight Mm -hmm. while driving a golf cart across her property. I don't know what my mom would be because she definitely has some serious Ravenclaw tendencies. Mm -hmm. She's incredibly bright, Mm -hmm. incredibly bright, but also a little bit cunning I have no idea. Like, my with my dad. My dad was like had a lot of Slytherin in him, which it, it's very funny because I didn't really get raised by my dad too much because my parents split when I was about seven. Mm-hmm. But that whole like, I have so many of his traits, mm-hmm. and I have to be very very careful because I have his gaslighty trait, where I will I have previously and still do occasionally get somebody to be very upset and then be like why are you mad i don't understand why you're upset about this like i am so aware of it that like i will keep my freaking mouth shut sometimes when i'm arguing with my husband and just be like okay don't say that thing that you want to say because you know that that is just pouring gasoline onto a fire to see what will happen i try so hard to so to to loop this back to trauma and to make this about the book again and not just a therapy session for us uh the the tricky thing about stuff like that is that you very easily learn the maladaptive behaviors that you were taught and i think that's one of the frustrating things that you see in this novel and again like that might be again like from me with trauma one of the things that made this kind of harder for me to deal with is that it just feels like this perpetuation of bad choices being made because yeah like everything that I remember hating in my mom I do (laughs) because those were maladaptive coping skills that I learned she learned it from her mom and her mom learned it from her mom. And these, to- these 
the kids in this book have mostly raised themselves yes they have dealt with serious issues and been like Mm -hmm. this is how i'm going to survive like even like when they're talking about dally being basically pretty crazy and doing stupid stuff and all this he is very much like oh yeah i'm super tough and I've done these crimes, but what happens when two kids come to him and be like, we killed somebody immediately he jumps into like rescue mode. He's mm-hmm. like, here's a gun. Here's money. Here's my jacket. You must be cold. Let me get you onto this train. I know where you can hide because they're so used to not having somebody to take care of them that mm-hmm. they become their, their own family, which you have on here too is found family. Um, I do. They have, and, and you see a lot of this too in like the LGBT community um, where your family rejects you or your family isn't available to you. So you find other people to become your family. Yes. Um, you see this a lot with people of color, with uh, queer people. Um, I think it is one of those weird things that did kind of get like gentrified and glorified by um, preppy white people who just didn't like their parents because reasons. <laughs> is that wrong? I mean, maybe a little bit. (laughs) Well, because I'm thinking of like, okay, like Breakfast Club and like that kind of stuff like comes to mind of like, you guys don't have problems. Like you don't, like you just. Do you remember that sketch on Mad TV, Pretty White Kids with Problems? Yes. Also, (laughs) how dare you bring up Mad TV in the year of our Lord 2021? First of all, I still go. Dear Saint Selena, thank you for giving us Ricky Martin's panties. Have you been seeing all the TikToks of people threatening to beat up Yolanda when she's released from prison? I have been <laughs> laughing my ass off. For those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, Selena. I also love that with just that, you knew exactly what yes. I was talking about. Selena was like the Tejano queen in the early 90s, I want to say. Yes. And yes everybody loved her she was a san antonio love like there's a a star to her out in front of a restaurant out here like big 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 deal Mm -hmm. in san antonio south texas there's a statue Mm -hmm. of her i think in corpus you are correct i visited it um i was gonna say you told some guy to get his hand off her so she'll so i fully fucking was ready to fight i will uh give you guys a picture that i took of the selena statue in corpus so if you've ever heard the song Bitty Bitty Bum Bum, which you probably have if you've been to a Mexican restaurant for long enough. And you might um, not even know it's Selena, but like, I guarantee you, you've heard that song. Yeah. Dreaming, but cause I'm dreaming That's a good of one. you tonight. Love that song. Anyway, um, the president of her fan club shot her. Her name is Yolanda. She is in prison and she's set to get out in 2024, 2025. I can't remember. 2024, I think. But, th- well, that's when she's set for possible probation. Mm-hmm. And people are like making all these TikToks right now of them like taking off their earrings and stuff like that and prepping for a fight. Mm-hmm. Like that woman is going to need major protection when she gets right. Out. Like I was, I was, I've sent that to a friend, and it's like she's just going to need to stay in jail because like there's, I don't think that there is anyone who is more hated in South Texas. And like full disclosure. I kind of missed a lot of the Selena stuff being from North Texas. Like I knew of her music, but like the devastation that really didn't happen in North Texas, you know, especially at the time. 
we didn't have like the largest of Hispanic communities. And if we did, like they weren't, you know, making a lot of noise. I grew up in Southern California and it was a big effing deal. I oh, mean, I'm sure there were people sobbing in the street and I was a kid. I had like no idea. I'm like, uh, somebody got shot. Mm-hmm. Like there were, was a sign on the, an apartment complex on my way to school that was like, have you seen this woman? And it was them trying to find her, like mm-hmm. you'll find Yolanda after the shooting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell? Like the, mm-hmm. the things that you remember that you're just like, that was, that was crazy. It really was. It was, oof, it was a crazy time. But yes, I will say- irony is that yes. our next point is it's time to talk about nostalgia cycles. It is time to talk about nostalgia cycles. Uh, so right now- we are in the middle of a 30-year nostalgia cycle for the 90s, which makes me want to vomit. It's it's a little bizarre to be like, hey, um, I had that dress mm-hmm. for prom and now that's vintage. Um, <laughs> wait, what do you mean you like the Spice Girls, ironically? Oh my gosh, there was a, again, another TikTok. Can you tell that I use TikTok as a means to escape my pain? It's my greatest coping mechanism lately. Please appreciate the mental image of me hitting my melatonin vape pen while doom scrolling on TikTok at three o'clock in the morning. You have a melatonin vape pen? A- I'm a, I am a affiliate marketer for melatonin vape pens. Um, I'm going to need the link because I Happily. need that. I have my own yes. custom discount code and everything. Because I don't sleep. My daughter takes little melatonin tabs now. And mm-hmm. it's the funniest thing because her dad the other night is getting them out for her because she's like dad i can't sleep he's like okay mm-hmm. i'll give you some and she goes because they're specially designed for kids they're like a smaller dose mm-hmm. she's a tiny tiny sweet baby even though she's a preteen anyway um and he's she goes can you just give him put him in my mouth and he looks at her and he goes what you want me to be like a bird and he goes <laughs> like pretends to throw <laughs> it up so now every night he like gets them out and then makes that noise <laughs> Ew. I hate that. I hate that so much. I don't oh no, I don't. You're at bedtime, dude. No, I don't like that at all. I'm not fond. I'm not fond of that in the least. I just uh, um, I, for anybody who's like into the traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult, mm-hmm. um, Greg Newkirk just did a challenge where they raised like six thousand dollars for a charity, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I'm gonna eat one of these pheromone or not eat." He was gonna put one of those pheromone pellets for Bigfoot in his mouth, and he made it thirty seconds. And then he started gagging. Like, he Mm -hmm. didn't throw up. Man was a champ. But, Mm -hmm. like, when he started gagging, I almost threw up. And I am not a sympathetic gagger. So that was hysterical. But, yeah, like, found family is such an interesting trope. Because, like, you do end up, like, building a family of your own. I know, like, I've done that because my family is trapped. Well, they're excellent from 300 miles away. They're excellent from 300 miles away and when I can feign being busy to get off the phone. I'm getting another call, bye. I have to go. But like, when I'm home, it's... uh, I love my aunts very much, says a very, very broken and tired Amanda. Um, You want to say to our Gen Z listeners, one, we love you, two, it will happen to you. Do we love our Gen Z listeners? I do because they come up do we have any gen z listeners probably not like again like i'm 
Tori, have we looked at the dashboard recently? Do we have any Gen Z listeners? No, I feel like I have to look. I never look at the dashboard because I don't want to know. I stopped looking at the dashboard, unfortunately, but um, I can get back to it. Um, so do you want to talk about knives or gangs? How about knife gangs? <laughs> and the reason I say this is because Glasgow is the, or Glasgow is the knife crime capital of the world. That tracks. Yeah. I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to fight that at all. Uh, so knives are interesting because one, it's a phallic symbol. Two, as a weapon, you have to be really, really up close. Unless you have a ballistic knife, which is my favorite thing that the Spetsnaz has. Nope. No, thank you, Spetsnaz. Yes, thank you, Spetsnaz. <laughs> not to you, not to KGB. Yes, not thank to you. CIA. No, no, no. I like I like the ballistic knife quite a bit. By the way, we do have Gen Z listeners. We do have about 10% who are between 18 and 22 and about 5% who are 0 to 17. What are you guys doing here? I mean, mean, hi, but like... I'm happy you're here. Yeah, but like, Um, what the fuck are you doing here? I'm sorry you have to hear us complain in between us talking about books. Like, I feel like I should almost give... Well, I mean, we give you resources. You can totally just steal those and skip, right? Yeah, totally. We're like the chill professor who vapes. <laughs> God, I loved my professors who were just like, yeah, I got other things to do. I'm going to go play Ultimate Frisbee. So, uh, that's so California. Watch this and I'll see you later. Um, but I, knife combat is fascinating. Uh, I really like knife combat. Fun fact uh, I 100% would be that white guy you'd be afraid of if I was a white guy. Because I really like World War II, and I really like weapons. See, I study the Cold War for fun, so I don't yeah. know what that says about me. I know a lot about the Nazis and the occult, so... I mean, I'm very lucky that I'm biologically female and black, because I 100% would be like that trench coat mafia guy that everyone assumes is a school shooter. I used to get called trench coat mafia. You guys, it wasn't even a trench coat. It was a duster. And it was fake pleather. Okay. So I, so tangent, I hate when fashion terms don't make sense. So like people that conflate duster and Komodo, that drives me insane. They're different things. Also, I saw an Amazon dress that broke my brain because it was a bodycon maxi. Those are not the no. same thing. Those are not the same thing. Hey, did you, you know that 1% of our listeners live in Florida? Hello, Florida. How are y'all doing with them gators and all of your coronavirus? And cocaine. And gators on cocaine. Thank you, Florida, for making Texas look slightly less crazy so we can get away with things. Do they? I think we're pretty bad. Um, No, we're terrible. But like, here's the thing. I love Texas. I love Texas history. But there are times where I'm just like, oh, for F's sake. Again. I mean, that's it's history in a nutshell. I'm going to make so many crazy decisions in Animal Crossing tonight. Because one, I don't usually drink a lot of alcohol. And two, 
uh, I haven't taken any of my insomnia medication yet. And it's probably not going to work because of the caffeine. I'm going to be making some crazy fucking choices in Animal Crossing tonight. I'm just letting y'all know. It's about to get wild. I have a galaxy floor. I'm going to make so many fucking tables. Um, I feel like you need to just like screenshot and then I can just post them on Instagram or you can I could do that. Instagram. Um, so knives again are interesting because also like knife combat is shockingly intimate. Yes, it's very personal. Like, you can't, unless you have a ballistic knife or you're like a Gurkha, you're not doing a lot of throwing knives at a distance. <laughs> I'm not laughing because of children dying by knives. I'm laughing because of gold rum. Oh. <laughs> Amanda's macabre laughter brought to you by Gold Rum. Thanks, yeah. Bacardi. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Bacardi Gold, uh, for me. Oh, my God. Now I have to tell you about, like, the grim thing that I laughed at yesterday. Okay, content warning for, like, some gross stuff. I will not go into super detail, but I have to give some context to the story. So there was a lady who murdered two of her children because she found out that these two kids were abusing her youngest kid so she kills the two older kids and stashes them in the freezer as you do wow i'm not i have not gone into a fraction of this story it's fucking crazy but i want listeners hello nemo um <laughs> he's the cat has has made a sighting uh so i was hello is he, oh, he looked directly into the camera terrified and then left uh, so i was listening to a podcast on this uh bonkers news story and one of the notes was uh the medical examiner had to delay the autopsy so the bodies could thaw and for a brief moment i chuckled because imagining like a medical examiner with like a blow dryer on low thawing out like two icicles of people like in Sino Man. Pedo popsicle. I mean, I, I wish that that was the case. It was a much worse case than that. Like, but yeah, for a brief moment, I chuckled at the thought of having to wait for like two bodies of murdered children to thaw. Quick question. If yes. we go to hell, yes. do you think we can put in a request to stay with the unbaptized babies and the righteous pagans? No. We're not that good of people. You know, hello, tired baby. Oh, he's so cute. I love he just puts his head against my arm. Like, I don't want to hold my head up anymore. I'm tired. Mood and same. Uh, so gangs, almost like the dirty incest brother of found family. Yes. We're running with it. Gangs <laughs> Tori, Tori nodded, family. which means they can be a business. They can be fucking crazy. Yeah, like the mafia yeah Which i knew a lot about as a kid like my dad would quiz me on like mafia crime bosses and stuff like that that's who my dad was like italian mafia irish mafia yakuza uh, or russian mafia? italian i learned about the yakuza on my own uh i'm actually just afraid of the irish mob so i don't want to touch that i'm just gonna let them live yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna uh, let i'm just gonna let them vibe i, I don't want to mess with any of those groups none of them i'm good i mean they this is pretty i'm not gonna say they're chill because they're still gangsters but like to be fair for anybody who spends more than five minutes on the internet you may find this comedian i cannot remember his name i apologize he has a whole 
thing about going to Russia with his college class and basically drunkenly telling a group of Russian mobsters that he is the machine. He meant to say, I am a man, but he said, I am a machine instead, because the word, well, machina would like car is very similar to the word man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he ends up robbing his classmates with everybody. And then the, the very famous phrase from the mobsters and the police in the story is, fuck that bitch, this is Russia. So I actually made a cup that says in Russian, fuck that bitch, this is Russia. And um, I can't use that cup anywhere. Anyway, <laughs> well, I can, um, but then somebody will ask me what it means. And I even have a little version of Laika on it, my little dog friend. Is very dead. Anyway, she's so dead, and I feel bad. I really want. Okay, so morbid things that nobody needs to know about my dream trip to Moscow someday. Um, Mm -hmm. There is the Cosmonaut Museum, and in that museum, Mm -hmm. Belka and Storka were their two dogs that made the first successful like rotation around the Earth and came back down and survived. Mm -hmm. Are stuffed and displayed in that museum. I'm pretty sure uh, Lazarus, the dog that this one crazy scientist brought back using electricity and a special serum, uh, is stuffed somewhere. I've seen Dolly the sheep. How is she? She's dead. She's stuffed. She's in a museum of science and technology in in, uh, Edinburgh. Thank you, Tori. The look that Amanda just gave me when I I said she's dead was... (laughs) Thank you, Tori. She's dead. She's stuck. Thanks. Thanks for the update. Is this like the live cam watching Lennon? Still dead. Oh my gosh. So I want to see Lennon's tomb so bad, mostly because he's mostly plastic at this point. Anyway, okay, he's not plastic. He's a special brand. Plastinated. Plastinated. Anyway, uh, we covered PTSD a little bit, but uh, it's post traumatic stress disorder, not I was in the military disorder. Um. that is a fair point because most of the time you hear it referred to members of service who are coming back mm-hmm. but it's very common as well in people who have been in um, abusive relationships kids who were abused as children um, basically if you Your have two hosts yes <laughs> if you have an extremely traumatic experience or multiple um, yeah. your brain kind of freaks out and holds on to that and holds on to that energy and sometimes it can have shock waves that come back mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to use his name but I dated a really great guy who were still friends and anytime a firework went off he would basically have to hunker down and just kind of sit for a few minutes because he had been in Afghanistan and there were quite a few bombs but it's um, not always like that physical of a reaction. Like not to cut you off, but like no, you're right. It's that's not. something that I've learned because uh, my therapist is someone who deals like he's like a specialist in PTSD, um, and it took me a long time to grapple with the fact that like that's what I suffer from is after so many years of trauma because like really trauma is just a bad experience and like we don't like using that definition because it sounds like it really minimizes what it is because I think whenever when anyone pictures trauma they think of like something catastrophic every single time and not that that's not traumatic but like me losing my dad at a young age was traumatic that was still a trauma I didn't have to survive 39 11s but like that was a trauma still um and I think that's important when we talk about that um 
these kids go through a remarkable amount of trauma and have been through a lot of trauma. And especially with children and young uh, people, that stuff gets minimized so quickly because again, we have this very hyperbolic definition of what trauma is. And it's very frustrating because then you can't get help for what is a very complicated and very nuanced disorder. Because yes, like for me, getting triggered or my responses, yeah, it's not like, you know, I disassociate and have to jump under a table. It's really freaking out. My friends don't answer the phone right away because it flashes me back that my mom died and she didn't answer her phone. It's that. It's not being okay in certain public situations because it brings me back to a different place. It's bad impulse control it's a really really bad impulse control <laughs> you know it's a very basically you're just this book is watching people maladaptively cope with trauma and I say that with love because like honestly it's super hard to cope well with trauma because again it's so often not believed or taken seriously so it's really really hard to have healthy coping skills and we as a society, especially here in the West, love this bullshit culture of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And if God can lead you to it, he can lead you through it. And I think that's something that's it's been a big topic of discussion, especially with our generation um, and the generations that are coming after, is we've heard this rhetoric since we were children. Oh, your mm -hmm. grandpa was in World War II, you know? You got to buck up and be stronger. Yeah, my grandpa had a lot of really, really bad coping mechanisms. A right. lot of maladaptions that fucked up my dad, okay? There were things that my dad did to survive mm -hmm. that, like, messed him up. Like, mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where we get all this stuff of, like, oh, you guys are weak. Oh, you need your little safe spaces. Oh, you need this. It's like, no, 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 no we are aware of what is happening to the brain. We are aware of the things that are happening. And what we're trying to do is recognize that, treat that, and try to avoid it in other people so that they don't have to go through the same experiences as our grandparents in D-Day or the Battle of the Bulge or the women back at home who getting like working their fingers to the bone in a factory and mm -hmm. dealing with phone call constant like messages that somebody's died. like we as it, it, like america is very big about this and i don't know what it is but it's the whole like pull yourself up by your bootstraps oh you know you've got to fight through this and what's fascinating is listening to people now after the the covid um quarantine and stuff like that who said it was weird because i finally started not forcing myself to do something not mm -hmm. pushing myself past what I could handle and just kind of sitting in what I could handle and doing what I could do and realizing how much better I felt mm -hmm. and realizing that this is that I don't have to kill myself for a cause or I don't have to push myself past a breaking point that's really going to hurt me and do no good to anyone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's important to uh, highlight also that one of the big trends that I remember hearing a lot with like millennials and millennial spaces breaking the cycle, especially in a lot of POC circles, again, not to diminish white circles as well, but like especially in POC circles was breaking the cycle is that 
I saw my family not take their mental health seriously because they lived in a society where black people couldn't be mentally ill, which is why now I take mine seriously as I do. I, so I'm trying to end that cycle. I'm trying to end that part where black people and mental illness is still stigmatized as a weakness. That's something that I'm actively trying to do. I know like on my other show, I'm constantly very open about me being on medication and me being in therapy, not because, you know, I'm like virtue signaling because my therapist sure would not be happy to know that I'm partially rum drunk, you know, after maladaptively coping and animal crossing for the last like two weeks, but to say, Hey, here's a person of color who is in therapy. And if you are someone who needs to do that, don't be scared because we're taught as a community not to, um, I think it's I think it's just super important to reframe the discussion around trauma and to reframe the discussion around PTSD because yeah for some people it is I was at war or I was in a natural disaster or I survived a terrorist thing and that's valid and horrible and bad PTSD is also I lost a parent when I was young or I was physically emotionally or sexually abused it's all of those things and the responses are wide and varied and it's easy to cope badly with it. When you look back at antiquity and history, I wonder how much of bad behavior was just maladaptive PTSD. And one of the things that I always wanna make sure people know, and you know this too, you aren't weak for going to therapy. You aren't weak for taking medications that help balance out your brain chemistry. You are not weak for seeking help or asking for support. Mm -hmm. You are doing what your brain needs to do to function. Mm -hmm. So please, please, please don't think that you're weak or you just can't handle something. There are some things that are too much that for any one person to try and take on on themselves. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with, with seeking help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I wasn't expecting that this would be the podcast where we get sad about uh, trauma. I'm going to blame our respective alcohols and that it's dark. It's getting dark. Oh, no. I'm thinking of the poor Mars rover. Anyway, I'm going to take this moment to talk about Essie Hinton. So <laughs> hold on. Do you remember Filet, the little comet lander? No. Wait. Okay. Which is the one that was like, it's getting dark. That's Filet. Oh. So Filet was a little comet lander who uh, was tweeting. I mean, it was NASA. but <laughs> Freaking love NASA. But Filet was a little comet lander that was tweeting and was doing a great job. And like, you know, was like a personified air conditioner who was on a comet. Well, unfortunately, Filet landed in the wrong spot. And being a solar-powered uh, machine, Filet did not get the sun that he needed. So there is a series of final tweets from Filet where he's saying that it's getting dark and it's getting cold and that he hopes that he did his best. And I don't think that NASA understood what they were doing to a group of existentially exhausted millennials because I know I cried. I cried. Oh, also, uh, 
I think curiosity is what you're thinking about. Curiosity sings happy birthday to himself every year. Yes. Which is Listen, we can pack bond with anything, okay? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. That's also a trauma response. Oh, <laughs> which thank you, therapist, for telling me because he's like, you name a lot of your stuff. It's like, yes, it's like you know what you are just update the bingo card as these are PTSD or trauma responses. Well, because I was talking to my therapist and he's like, you name a lot of your things. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you just, you are just latching on. It's like, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> How dare you say something that is entirely correct to my face. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, Jade Rabbit did that too. Uh, one of China's lunar rovers. And uh, that one also didn't do great. And he's like, I did, I was trying. It's like, why do they have to make them sad? Meanwhile, okay, Russia, Sputnik, okay? This yes. thing goes up into the air. They're like, mm. this doesn't even work the way it's supposed to. It's 189 pounds. It's attached to the top of a rocket. And it ended up almost completely destroying Eisenhower's entire political career. Accurate. And I'm like, well played? Khrushchev <laughs> is like, yeah, buddy. And then they're like, we're going to put a dog in space. He's like, sweet. Can you do it in 30 days? Okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go talk about uh, this author. So as I mentioned at the top of our podcast, Essie Hinton is a woman. Mm -hmm. um, like the turf we no longer discuss, her publisher. Okay, I'm going to call shenanigans because there's a lot of female writers that have used male pen names. I think you just wanted to bring up the turf we don't talk about anymore. Nah. So basically there was a whole rash of people who up until recently, and though to be fair, I think isn't V.E. Schwab also she publishes because it was going to be a better... Anyway, um, yes. a lot of times publishers will have writers use their initials. Although part of this is also because she is a very, very private person. Suzanne Eloise Hinton, <coughs> her biography is very short because she's quiet. Uh, she was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, June 22nd, 1948. She is still alive. Um, she's 70. As of now. She, yeah, she, please don't let us have another person die. Anyway, she does not do interviews. She does not do personal appearances. She is super private. She's the one who's posted her bio. Uh, she wrote The Outsiders when she was 16 years old. She started writing it in 1965, and it's based on a real gang rivalry from her high school, which is Will Rogers High School. It's weird because I have a friend who actually lives in Oklahoma, so I'm like, wait, I know Will Rogers High School. Anyway, the book was published by Viking in 1967. <coughs> she ended up admitting a few years ago in an article with Vulture that she does enjoy writing fan fiction. So awesome. Mm -hmm. um, her boyfriend slash, well, now her husband encouraged her to write two pages a day while she was super depressed and she ended up creating a few other books um she loves horseback riding and showing horses um she reads all the time and she'll also go to her local university and take and like take the classes as a seminar mm -hmm. so she doesn't take the test just because she wants to read and learn which is kind of awesome like she's got to be loving podcasts and like youtube videos that's super sweet and she actually did work with Francis Ford Coppola on the film. So mm -hmm. one of the things I did want to mention, which is very, very brief in the book and something that, that we kind of glossed over because it's not mentioned in the movie at all. And it's very briefly mentioned in the book. 
Soda Pop's girlfriend. Yes. She gets sent off to Florida at one point in time. And basically there's a joke like, do we have to spell it out for you? Because she got sent there because she was pregnant. And later Soda Pop finds out that it wasn't his baby. It was somebody else's baby. But the fact that that is how women are basically treated in this entire book kind of blows my mind, especially because it's written by a woman. Yeah, but okay. So I think the turf who should not be named reminds us all that women can still be misogynistic. That's true. <laughs> um, we women internalize a ton of misogyny thanks to the patriarchy. But also, but like, people, that's just how it was. Huh? That's why when you're younger, you take something like, well, you're not like other girls <clears throat> as a compliment. Yes. That's mm-hmm. internalized misogyny. And then you get older, so, you're like, ew. Right. Also, when you get older, you just realize that men are gross most of the time. Fair. So I think it's important to remember that one. And two, also, like, that's just how things work. Like, I remember that in school. Like, I think we had, like, one girl when I was in Catholic school get pregnant. She just, like, vanished. <laughs> I don't know what happened to her. I didn't see her again. Like, I mean, I don't think she, like, died or anything. But, like, just gone. <laughs> like, that's just a thing that happens. Um, we didn't talk about Oklahoma as a state, which I think is very telling, uh, in symbols. Oklahoma is, as Tori mentioned, has a large indigenous population one of the largest still remaining in the states which is still not a lot (laughs) because these people were displaced by as tori figured out the president that i would happily fight in a back alley so she's gonna fight jackson and i'm gonna fight reagan i mean so i so there was a again another tiktok where it's like which send this to your best friend and see if they know what the answer is. And it's like, which president would they fight in a back alley? And Tori's like, I don't know, because I feel like you would just fight all of them. And it's like, not false. That's that's fair. Not false. But if I had to pick one, Andrew fucking Jackson, I am taking that motherfucker down. The only redeemable thing about him is that his parrot was escorted out of his funeral service for swearing too much. This is why I'm single. But Oklahoma does have a large indigenous population uh, that really reconquistad the fuck out of that land and did their best. It is still very white in a way that is uncomfortable. Uh, it is the less superior state to Texas. And out of all the hats we could have had, I hate that we're stuck with Oklahoma. Um, you can tell that Amanda was born and raised in Texas. We have a rivalry, but a rivalry is usually something that exists on equal terms rather than a parasite trying to feed off of a larger apex predator. Can I just mention that I'm getting really, 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 really sick of all the messages I see on social media about hating Californians in Texas? No, because you don't belong here. Great. You keep, you no, you keep raising property taxes because so many of you can't afford Dude, to live in California. Oh shit. I lived in a rental house and then I lived in an apartment for several years. It's not our fault that California is expensive. Stop trying to make Austin into California. We don't Austin, want you here. Austin is fucking, more liberal than California. We don't want you here and your kale chips and your quinoa. I know you're joking, but still, I want to slap you. (laughs) 
Do you know that one? more Californians are going to Tennessee than Texas? I, I, I guarantee you Tennessee doesn't want them either. You know what we should do, Californians? Well, I, I'm a former, but what we should do is we should rally around and just take over Alabama. We should no. just fix the fuck out of that state. The optics of that is horrible. Please don't do that. Because <laughs> the gentrification... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, you somehow made it much worse. The sheer optics of you displacing a bunch of poor black people who have been living there like since slavery. I meant just the white people. I don't care if the black There's not enough of them. (laughs) You're displacing like a hundred angry people and they're mostly KKK, so they're not going anywhere. Wait, does Mississippi make it better or worse? What's just nope. There's a whole band that you just can't Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. You're just going to have to skip those. I'm going to leave it all alone. And maybe we could talk about Georgia on the right day. I liked Georgia. I've only been to their airport. Which airport? Atlanta? Yes. Okay. I was like, I went to Savannah. Uh, But Oklahoma is an interesting state, which is the only nice thing I'll ever say about them. Um, I liked Oklahoma City. That's where my friend lives, and it was mm-hmm. fun. And then we went to Norman, mm-hmm. and and we went to Norman. And um, anyway, um, I can. Reed totally Drummond her. lives there, and I don't like her. Who lives there? Reed Drummond. Oh, the pioneer woman. Yes. I had to sit there and think about who that was. I can't stand that woman. You know that the reason, the only reason that I connected those that name to the pioneer woman right now. It's because last week I was working at a pantry mm-hmm. and somebody had brought in a bunch of her, um, like barbecue her gross sauce. Cookware. Oh, it was like a weird thing to like give away. That's but horrible. Like, okay. I mean, we could give away peach barbecue sauce, I guess. Yeah. It looked like re- one of those things that somebody went to like the end shelf at Target that's on discount. Absolutely. Art. Absolutely. Yeah. Reed Drummond is a, oof. You want to talk about gentrification? Her and those uh, Gaines folks who fucked up Waco. Uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. So my friends live in Waco. They do not live in a house, obviously, that's been redone by, by the uh, Gaines family. Mm-hmm. But they had a rock wall from the 70s in their house. Mm-hmm. Like one of those ones that's just a fireplace covered in rocks. Mm-hmm. And there was a storm and all of the rocks fell down in the house onto the floor. So did you have to read this book in school? I think we talked about this, but no, I did not. But I had I'm just following the outline, Tori. I don't know what you want from me. We're it's dark. <laughs> it's dark. I'm cold. We've both had alcohol. Uh I also did not have to read this book in school. Again, I said this at the top of the show. I almost wish that I had, and maybe I wouldn't quite be so cold on it reading it in hindsight it just feels like a lot of other things so i what yeah i wonder if this was my first time encountering a lot of these tropes if i'd be a little bit less harsh on the book and i say that not to diminish anyone's experience if this was like super poignant for you like i'm not saying that you're bad it's just for me having experienced this stuff in other forms beforehand and it already wasn't my favorite like just reading it again is like eh. <laughs> well, I think this was one of those books in that era of the 60s where you mm-hmm. had like um what is it called I never promised you a rose garden you had 
um, why can't I think of what it is? White Rabbit or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, you had a bunch of books about trauma. You had a bunch of books about drug abuse. You had a bunch of books about, you know, families falling apart and things happening. And that was suddenly it was acceptable to read that. And I think this was probably that foundational layer because now we have so many other different types of books about that. We have mm-hmm. teen books that are out about, you know, eating disorders, mental disorders, abortions, mm-hmm. um, trauma, sexual trauma, that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like this was one of those things that kind of dipped a toe into mm-hmm. these are the things that are going on around us. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily see, but let me pull back the page for you. Absolutely. Like, I, I definitely want to give credit where credit is due. And like, that's why I went out of my way to preface uh, when I normally wouldn't. I would just double down and be like, this book is trash and you're trash. <laughs> This book is trash, and anyone who likes this book is also trash. Fuck everyone. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> so one one point I do want to point out, um, yes. and this is from another Vulture article from 2016. Mm-hmm. There were a bunch of people, based on the movie, wondering if Johnny and Pony Boy were gay, and Essie Hinton said, "No, they are not gay. They just are bros that take care of each other." Yeah, sure. And read Gone with the Wind and talk poetry. Just like how Anne Rice's vampires aren't gay. Anyhow. That's what? completely heterosexual behavior that you do with your close male. Okay, so one of my favorite things in archaeology is uh, when you find two uh, homosexual like figures or bodies together and it's clear that they're gay and that they're lovers and just the amount of just backbending that archaeologists would do it's like they were they must have been very very good friends they were roommates they were so close they were roommates it's like this guy's dick is fossilizing this guy's ass like they're (laughs) they're gay (laughs) they're they're gay and they're married like what do you want what's the sound by from tiktok damn these bitches be gay right like oh my god just the amount of like backbending of like they, they must have been very close friends very like especially with alexander the great oh my god alexander the great was gay he was a gay man just accept it all of you macho bros alexander the great was not a straight man <clears throat> just oh he had many close male confidants mm. Speaking of gay. Yes. You said my name. Yes. Next month is Pride Month. It is. And we have decided to make it a lesbian month. Yes. Kind of by accident, but uh, it was not by accident. We had a literal conversation. Of should we just do two lesbian books? Yes. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. We're not gonna so, by accident. We had a talk. <laughs> um, unless I I get really upset and be like no we can't read this we have to read something else we're going to be reading orlando by virginia wolf next Mm -hmm. which i'm very excited because i get to talk about a lot of her her bisexual nonsense which i'm bisexual i can say nonsense i'm kidding i'm definitely kidding anyway not about um, the bisexual part not about being bisexual no about the uh nonsense part um and then we're going to read what is reputed to be the first lesbian couple novel mm-hmm. in uh, english literature but yeah. but but yes we're gonna start with orlando yes also let us know if you want us to make a fiesta medal yeah 
like the five people from san antonio were like yes yeah let us know if you want like enamel pins or a fiesta medal amanda has an itch to design still working on uh, emotional support vodka <laughs> yes this this week has been all about emotional support vodka yeah um there are some adaptations that we talked about uh mostly the francis ford coppola movie just watch it it is actually a really good movie yeah that wasn't sad in disrespect just watch it yeah. uh um, if you have there's an app called tubi it's t-u-b-i at the time of this recording it is free to watch because otherwise you're gonna be paying like four dollars yeah just go to your local half price i'm sure they have a dvd copy for like a song just i mean but don't try singing at the half price book employees because they're very very tired everyone is very tired that is true yeah go to your local like dvd warehouse they probably have like 30 copies in the back go buy physical media says drunk tired amanda uh tori physical media in the garage i have a ton of physical media everywhere tori where can where can the good people find us so we're all over the internet because we're millennials anyway um if you want to find everything in one place mm-hmm. we're at unfortunately required reading.com if you mm-hmm. want to break it down we're on facebook at unfortunately required reading twitter which is unfortunately rr instagram unfortunately required Mm-hmm. And if you want to email us, um, please be nice. We're at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. Yeah, if you're one of like the if you're one of the Gen Z kids that found us, please let us know. Do we need to make a TikTok? Do we need TikTok of just like nice pouring? First of all, I freaking love TikTok with like every fiber of my being. I fought against this app for like a- I would I'm I, this is partially my fault, and then Tori turned it against so me. Tired your fault this is partially my fault <laughs> and then tori has turned it against me because now my day is just beset <laughs> oh i send them to amanda all day long all day long and i love it i open up every single one of them and it's like god damn it i've created a monster i almost feel like i need to i've never felt i needed to apologize to your husband before because i'm a chaos gremlin that usually feeds off of this shit this might be the one time I'm willing to apologize to your husband. So basically what happens is he sets down to play a video mm-hmm. game. Right now it's Evil Genius 2. Um, and I go, all right, well, I'm either going to go read a book about Russia or like the Cold War, let's be real, or I'm going to watch TikTok for two hours and then realize that the sun has gone down. Mm-hmm. So and then we come back together and discuss weird things that we've just seen all day. Yeah, that sounds about accurate and fair. That's pretty much what I've been doing, Son's husband, where it's like, let's go research some weird shit. I've been watching a lot of car crash uh, shows, which just a lot of dash cam footage. Don't tell your therapist that. Um, don't tell your therapist that you've been watching like 10 hours of plane crashes and car crashes. It is apparently concerning. I just want you to see this cat. Baby. He's sleeping on the keyboard. Oh, he's awake. He's doing yeah. shit. He's, He's great. Like, no, 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 no. I miss River. Where is where is River? I don't know. She might be hiding because Nemo is in this phase right now where he likes to attack her randomly. Like we're I gonna mean, play, and River's like, "I'm old and don't have time for you." I love both cats, but I mean, River is honestly one of the prettiest cats I've ever seen. Uh, if you'd like to suggest a book to us, yeah, email us. Talk about your literature class. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we have merch also. That probably is going to get updated soon. 
So if you'd like to uh, support the metaphorical wine and cheese fund, you can do that. Or you can become a patron of the podcast at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. This is the part of the show where we thank our patrons for their continued support. You help keep the metaphorical and physical lights on with your uh, donations. Thank you for listening. Uh, The pandemic isn't over just because you're over it. Continue to wear a mask, even if you're vaccinated. Uh, Punch out fascist if you see one. Go read a book. Go read a book, yeah. (laughs) Go hit a fascist with a book. I mean, that's one way to do it. That's a great way to do it. Bye, guys. (laughs)